On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, we're joined by former Texas All-American Michael Griffin. We talked to the two-time NFL Pro Bowler about his OU Texas memories and what makes this game so special. Griffin's on Longhorn Network now, so we preview this weekend's matchup at the Cotton Bowl with him. In the National College Football Roundup, we discuss some of the big news in college football and preview some of the marquee games this weekend. We give our winners and losers of the week and wet the beak with Thursday night football between the Bucks and Bears. To finish up, we break down the big announcement that OU and OSU made this week in keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, October 8th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Now we're recording this on Wednesday night. And Teddy, it is the most wonderful week of the year it is football christmas on saturday it is ou texas week and we have an awesome interview with mike griffin it's going to be great for our listeners to hear him and full disclosure we talked to him like 20 minutes before we started recording and then like 20 minutes after we started recording it was like the longest conversation we've ever had and he doesn't pull any punches talking about Texas either. I mean, he yeah. works for the Longhorn Network, but uh, he calls it how he sees it, 100%. Yeah, and Michael Griffin and I, we were teammates in Tennessee uh, with the Titans, so that, that's how I know him and, you know, reach out to him because, like you said, my man is opinionated, and he in this interview, he, he calls it how he sees it. And it, it's pretty interesting. It's, it's going to be a good listen for you guys. Now let's get straight to it, man. Let's get straight to the local college football. That's brought to you by Will and Wiley hard seltzer guys. Stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast. And that is Will and Wiley hard seltzer from coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. 
It's made in Oklahoma, and it's absolutely delicious. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at at Will and Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, tag us in your social media posts to let them know a few pieces of OU news before we get to the OU Texas preview with Michael Griffin uh, in shocking news this week. OU's players didn't enjoy losing to Iowa State. Uh, it wasn't fun for them. They didn't like it. And, and all indications, and this is, this is pretty surprising, Ted, but all indications point to them wanting to win this game this weekend. Well, that makes me feel better. Um, <laughs> it's been hard sleeping since, uh, since the Iowa State game. I wasn't sure if they wanted to win it or not, but that news is, is big time. Um, you know, this if they don't show up with a ton of fight for this football game, I mean, here's the thing is, I don't feel like any of these games like Oklahoma quit, like there was no fight late. I don't like they didn't make the plays they needed to late, obviously. But I didn't feel like there was really any quit. We had good leads. We played good for, for big stretches in both games but then just kind of fell apart in the fourth quarter. I don't know exactly what that is, uh, if it's conditioning or what, but, you know, we've shown that we can play good football. So, you know, we'll see what the resolve is like. You know, if, if this is a game where I'm almost hoping that they don't get off to a good start, you know, it's like maybe we need to be behind at halftime and, and come out and have our foot on the gas. But, you know, it's going to be interesting because there's going to be some momentum swings in this game there's anything we know about OU Texas is there's big time momentum swings and you've got to have some fight. You got to have some resolve to fight through those things. And we'll learn. I mean, if you're staring Oh, and three in the big 12, right in the face, if you don't show up and play. Yeah. And I, I, I think the argument, cause there is an argument by Texas fans about what to call this game, uh, whether it's OU Texas or the people that live in Texas usually flip it the other way. Well, Tom Herman called it OU Texas twice, twice during his presser. So that settles that. When the, when the head coach of the other team calls it OU Texas, I mean, it's a wrap. That, that is the name of the game. Now, I, I'm surprised that they just didn't fire Tom Herman right on the spot when he did that. But and it wasn't an accident. He did it twice. Didn't they do it in like their hype up video too? Oh, no, did they? And then they, and then they deleted it off of their, their Twitter account. The Texas football did. I love that. I love <laughs> that so much. <laughs> if your head coach down there says OU Texas instead of Texas OU, you just fire him. So um, it's over at this point, which, you know, it, apparently the fan base down there, it, it, it's from people that have been listening in and are down there in that fan base, it's like it's over. Oh, wow. It's over. Unless they pull off something miraculous, it's over. We'll see. Be interesting. As long as it's not Urban Meyer. But Urban Meyer <sighs> Please is – Please not Urban Meyer. He is petty enough and spiteful enough and vindictive enough to take that job just to show Tom Herman that he could win there and Tom Herman couldn't win. He would do <laughs> it for that. He'll be like, actually, go up, guys, I'll do it for free. Right? Take his buyout and, you know, just – you know, pay me minimum wage. That would be a nightmare for OU fans if Irvin Meyer 
please. I, I really hope that doesn't happen. Uh, hey, but I would make it better for the Big 12. I'm telling you. That, that's a good point. That's a good point. But, like, could we not? You know? <laughs> could we not? You know what I mean? Fair point. Um, one other piece of OU news. We heard Lincoln Riley talk this week uh, about Ronnie Perkins' status for this game. Uh, said his status hadn't changed. They are still waiting on the full green light, I guess. But Perkins has been practicing this week, you know, with the first team defense. So they're expecting him to play. This is not like the scout team stuff he's been doing the last couple of weeks. I mean, they're expecting him to get the green light to play on Saturday at, at some point. So he's been taking lots of reps, trying to get in better shape. You, you know, you, the, the more reps you get, he'll get more comfortable uh, communicating with the guys on the defense. And then it's pretty clear that that dude's the vocal leader of that defense. And he's the best player. So it's good to hear that he's back in the swing of things practice. But my question, what the, what the hell is taking so long? It's like, I, I, we continue to be in these situations and Oklahoma's not the only team, but it's just like, I, I don't understand what, like what takes the NCAA so long to let these kids know if they can play or not. It makes no sense. I don't, it's they're It's almost like they're running the clock out so they don't have to make a decision or something. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if he, if they don't get something this week, well then, it's like if you're getting back for TCU, it's like ended up saving you one game, right? Is that it? Yeah. It's like, oh, thanks. Right. Thanks for the so, waiver. I mean, you'll, you'll still take one game. I mean, it's better than, than nothing, but it's like, you know, they've already lost two games not having him there. Actually, they've lost three games because of the LSU game and not that he changes that game. But right now without Ronnie Perkins, they're one and three. So, I mean – pretty telling yeah not great and now selfishly of course he's OU's best player on defense I want him to play because he will help Oklahoma's defense but also uh, I love watching uh, you know the game within a game type situations and him going up against Sam Cosme would be a whole lot of fun for me to watch right you talk about a guy that's a projected high round draft pick Perkins, you know, probably going to be the same next year. You know, who knows with how he plays when he comes back. But those are the kind of battles I want to watch. Those are the kind of battles that I think OU Texas needs. I mean, Brian Arakpo going at Phil Lodeholt and Trent Williams. Like, th- those types of battles what make this game great. And we deserve Ronnie Perkins versus Sam Cosme. Come on, NCA. Come on, man. Come on. Hope it happens. Hope it happens. Yeah. Come on. All right. So we're going to do this OU Texas preview with Michael Griffin. It is a great interview. Uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Here it is. It is our pleasure to be joined by a BCS national champion. He was the 19th pick overall of the 2007 NFL draft. He was a two-time pro bowler. He also is a training room storytelling extraordinaire <laughs> and oh, yeah. a Gigi's Cupcake franchisee. Did, did I cover all of it, Griff? Is, yeah, is that good former, enough? Former teammate. You ain't former, te- former teammate. 
that's where I heard all the good stories in the training room. We had some great stories in there. I used to, I had always good stories. You know how that I had always great stories. Ted, so I I tore my knee up my rookie year, and I was with the Titans, and Griff was you know one of our starters and leaders there in the locker room, and he was banged up, so he would come into the training room, and I just called I called it Uncle Uncle Griff story time. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, all right, man, tell me the story. My, my my go-to slogan was, how many games you got in? And then it's like, do you got 16? Apparently my man Gabe didn't have 16 in them. <laughs> that right knee had other other ideas, bro. Ideas, man, you know. The, what was it, Alex? What kind of car you had you, you, you got? You, so th- this – you have a great memory. Wow. So, I know I head a lot, but I still remember a lot. So <laughs> one day – Griff was making fun of Bishop Sankey, who was our second round draft pick, because what was he? I think he was driving like a three series BMW or something. And he was just a baby BMW. (laughs) He was just, he was just roasting him. And then he saw me get in my car and I was like, and he was like, you're good. You drive a Lexus. You're good. I was like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. Uh, the three series, the sixteen-year-old daughter car. Man, he had he had that he had that sixteen-year-old sweet sixteen, you know, with the little bow in the front, freshly used. I was like, Sankey, come on now. You, <laughs> it's better than Corey Schlesinger. When I was in Detroit, he had been there like, I don't know, he got drafted in like nineteen ninety-six, and I was there in two thousand four, and he was still driving like a nineteen eighty-nine Mazda three two three that he drove in college, and the dude been in the league for. Uh, 10 no, years or more. It, but it's different, though, when you know the guy's been there. But it's the guy that just, like, you just, like, like no, no, no. That's hey. what you decided to do with your money. <laughs> yeah, he, he thought he was really cool when he did. Like you said, my man, he he drove that through college. He put, he literally went and bought that after draft day. And I was like, you you bought the little one. Okay. <laughs> the, the disgust on his face. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that. Oh, that's such a good story. Now, Griff clearly wanted to have you on to talk OU Texas. Uh, you're one of the best players in the history of Texas football, All-American, national champion, first-round draft pick, the whole thing. So before we dive into this year's matchup, because you do have your role on Longhorn Network where you're covering mm-hmm. the team and telling the truth, as I found out last week, um, for you, what makes this game – so special it, it I, I like asking any guy that played at OU or played at Texas just like because it's different for all of us like it's it's, it's a different it's, experience it's it's the tradition it's the tradition to go it's the it's the Red River shootout it's the Red River shootout it's the rivalry game it's the only game in your in your conference that you're not allowed to play home in a way we literally play, it doesn't matter how you look at it and um Unfortunately, this year is not going to be like it has been in the past, where pretty much half the stadium is burnt orange. The other one is uh, I'm, was it crimp? What's what's the right color for it? Crimson. You were on the right track. You had it. Tip of your tongue. I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be wrong. You know. But um, again, it's it's just one of those games where, and again, a lot of those, a lot of the guys, OU guys, and I remember back when I played, it was all Texas guys. Some you know Oklahoma guys or some guys here and there, but it was all former guys that you played against in high school and um. It was just that bragging rights. It was the, the, the bragging rights. It didn't really matter if you won the Big 12 championship or whatever. It was the bragging rights of who has the gold hat for the entire year and be able to showcase that also. Um, it, it was very, very – it was it was a fun game. It was one of those games that this to, – to, to driving through the fans, um, 
the state fair, just the, just the whole overall atmosphere. I really don't think there's any other games that's like that played across the country. First of all, I love that you still call it the shootout. I do too. Anyone uh, that knows anything about the game still calls it that. They try to switch it to showdown, but it's still – it's never it's lasted. so stupid. I can't stand that. So I love that you call it that. But you mentioned how it's different this year. And, you know, for the first time in I don't know how long, someone will, someone will probably put it in our mentions, but both teams coming in off of a loss. We mm-hmm. thought that this was going to be like a, a top ten matchup, maybe even – close to a fringe top five type of matchup. But now they're both coming off of a loss. Oklahoma's coming off two. There's not going to be very many fans there. There's not going to be the fair outside. Do you think that's going to have an effect on what takes place on the field? Oh, to be honest with you, I, it's, it's, this is one of them unknown seasons. What I mean by that is when you go in and say, hey, this year does not count. And, you know, I think a lot of people have that in the back of their mind on how they're playing, how they're attempting to play. Um, coaches are able to play their entire roster and and not be penalized for that. So um, I'm just real curious because you got a senior veteran quarterback coming in with Sam Ellinger and then you got a redshirt freshman. You got one guy that's trying to prove himself and and put his stamp into the Big 12 and you got one guy that's maybe his last year that he has to finish off strong. Um, He's only beat OU one time in his career and that was going to walk off uh, field goal. But has he convincingly beat OU, the answer is no. Has he won a Big 12? The answer is no. And for him to be able to get to the Big 12 and win a Big 12, this is a game that he has to get over. Um, so, again, I, I see Spencer, you know, he, he threw a, a costly pick last game, but it was a young mistake. But uh, I also see a, a veteran quarterback who's, you know, putting up the numbers and things in that nature. But at the same time, he's dealing with a lot of young receivers around him, a lot of young of the core skill guys that are around him. So, this is, I think, is a pretty, pretty evenly matched up uh, game. I really think it's going to come down to the wire. I think it's going to be who has the ball last. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way, Griff. But uh, let's talk a little more about that Texas offense. You mentioned Ellinger making his fourth start in this game, which that experience, I mean, that, that's invaluable, especially in this game. But when you look around him uh, – Let's start with the offensive line. It seems like that unit was supposed to be one of the strengths of this True. football team. They've been kind of up and down. Uh, Sam Cosme, uh, I've watched a lot uh, of his tape. He, he's played at a, a decent level. I think the Kerstetter kid has slid in and, and played well at center. But I, I don't think they've run the ball, maybe with traditional run game, as well as they thought that they were going to. I could see them dialing up a lot of Sam Ellinger when it comes to running the football in this game. And we've seen him give OU trouble in the past with his legs. It, it, it's, it's, it's I'm really curious on the game plan because, again, they, they tried to establish the run, but the run has not got going for the last three weeks. It just for some reason, they've not been able to hit the home run. I think in Tom Herman's uh, career as a Texas head coach, I don't think he has a back that's eclipsed a 50-yard run. So uh, it's, it's questionable on whether or not do they have a guy that can hit the home run. I know they talk about the Bijan kid, Bijan Rock, but, you know, he got hurt versus Texas Tech, and he supposedly was up last week, but I think that they just put him on ice because they thought they can get through TCU. Uh, Keontae Ingram, he runs hard or whatnot. I know he had a costly fumble at the end of the game versus TCU. Uh, Roshan, again, is a converted quarterback. So 
when you watch him run, to me, he he still runs like a you know like a a mobile style quarterback. He's not going to be the punishing runner who delivers the hit towards the end of the run. Um, he's he's very careful with the ball. He doesn't run real loose. That you see a lot of guys that are used to having the ball in their hands and running downfield. So um, with the running game, I just I'm still trying to figure out if they have that guy. I know on paper they're supposed to have that guy, but when you watch from last year. You watch this year, Keontae's on. This is his third year being a starter. Roshan's the second year. Bijan, he's a true freshman. But when you see guys who have experience and you look back throughout their history and you're like, they have never done it. The question is, can they do it? Um, the offensive line, you know, they're supposed to be a top offensive line. But, again, you know, you still see Sam get – they're getting pressure on Sam. Um, you saw versus Texas Tech. Then when they dialed up there towards the end – and they jumped on, I think they had a 15-point lead. They was getting pressure on them. And then it's some Texas Tech seemed like they just backed off as if they knew they had to win, which I felt like if you give Sam time, he can make a lot of things happen. Um, at the wide receiver position, uh, Josh Moore, he's been playing very well. Uh, Tariq Black is a transfer, but, you know, he showed up the first game, first UTEP, but uh, he's been kind of, you know, <laughs> missing in action the last two games. Uh, they did just get uh, Jake Smith back, who's a slot receiver, which everybody knows with that slot position. That's pretty much been probably hobbling. Uh, it's been the main focal point when it comes to this offense from Devin DuVernay the year before, uh, little Jordan Humphrey the year before. But um, I, I really feel like when I say Sam has a lot of younger guys that, you know, in, in the past he had two senior uh, wide receivers and the year before he had little Jordan Humphrey and he had Devin DuVernay and he had Colin Johnson. You had a reliable source on the outside when it came to the receiving core. Uh, but now I just, there's a lot of young guys that you're trying to figure out who is going to step up, who's going to be that guy. Uh, Joshua Moore got banged up last game and he exited. So you saw a lot of younger guys coming in, Brandon Eagles and these guys, but I'm really trying to figure out who's that next guy, who's willing to take that next step. And for me personally, I just have not seen anybody take that next step to show that, you know, if you compare OU, you had a Hollywood Brown, then you had CeeDee Lamb, and then you had Rambo. You see guys each and every year stepping up. And the question now is when I look at Texas, who is that guy that's going to step up? And that's the biggest question when I look at this Texas offense. You know, we're kind of going through that uh, offensively as well. So uh, I wanted to ask you about defense because – you know, as guys, you got to be one of the one of the few first round draft picks at, at safety out of the Big 12 uh, since the league got started. And I know you take a lot of pride in the way that you guys play defense when you're there at Texas. And and we're going through the same thing at Oklahoma right now. And I'm just, I you know, I lose my mind watching it. But tackling, specifically tackling in the secondary, and it's it's conference wide right now. But it seems like Oklahoma and Texas are are both really fighting it right now what have you seen what's what's the difference how can they fix it are they going to fix it you know what when I watched it, I think I it was um I read or seen something I think Texas and OU are like 73 and 72 and I think there's only 73 teams playing um but right now it's it's you know in the Big 12 everything is spread out and you know a lot of open space and open field tackles and whatnot but I think it's 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 I want to think you know, I, I want to make the play. I want to make the tackle. Right now, I'm doing a tape right now, and I'm watching the Texas defense. And and it's just it's just people are picking and choosing. It's 
if I see you not looking, I'm willing to go. But if I see you, it's like I don't know what to do. And I really don't know what that issue is. Um, we had this conversation earlier with some people, and I was talking to somebody about when you're looking at things that are consistently going on, you know, first, second, third-year guys that have been in you, like, this guy's been having the same issues each and every year. And the question is, is it coaching? Is it the player? Or is it the will that I want to do it? And and I think that's what it comes down to. You know, I remember back when I played, you know, I I took pride. I tried to lead my team in tackles every year. The last two years, my junior and senior, I led the team in tackles. But I tried my darnest to get there on every single play. I think one game, I ended up with 23 tackles in one game versus Texas A&M. And it, I took pride in that. Like, I was trying to get to the ball. Like, if I had a shot on the quarterback and he takes off running, I was licking my chops. But, I mean, I watched the Texas game and I watched Max Duggan. I mean, he scored. And I'm just like, no one's going to touch him? Like, y'all just rolled out the red carpet and just let him go? And, you know, you see a lot. And, I, and it's funny because I'm watching, rewatching the Texas and TCU game. And I, I t- man, Max Duggan made me a fan because I seen him walk by one of the Texas safeties and just push him and, like, walk by <laughs> I was like, if a guy has that much pride and that much courage and he's just literally letting you know I'm not scared of you, like, that's what he said. I remember last year going into this Texas OU game, I remember B.J. Foster, who's still on the roster right now, he told Jalen Hurts, like, this is Texas football. And – if you want to run, we're going to show you. And I was like, bro, do you know that Jalen Hurts is from Texas? Like, what are you talking about? Like, he's played Texas football before. And let alone, he's played in big games before. And, again, I hate to say it, but B.J. Foster had his opportunity to take his shot at Jalen Hurts. And for some odd reason, he just rolled out that red carpet again and told him, lights, camera, action, you can have it. And he just ran right on into the end zone. So, um. Again, I think it's just a pride. It's a pride thing. You gotta take pride in that. I mean, you gotta hold one another accountable. Um, if you're missing tackles and in and, and this again, you know, everybody has to run to the ball. You gotta hunt. And that's what I'm watching. It's just a lot of one-on-one tackles and it's just guys are not hustling and and it's just I don't it's like it's it's a will and a want that you have to have. And it just seems like these guys today, I mean, it's almost like you're watching seven on seven, like straight tag off or something. Now, now, Griff, when, when we were teammates, I, I always enjoyed listening to you talk X's and O's of defense. And I actually, you know, listening to some of those conversations in the locker room between guys like you and Rack and, and Pollard, let's like, I kind of learned something. So I'd always just kind of like eavesdrop on it and be like, huh, oh, that's interesting. But when you look at Chris Ash's defense, just from a structure standpoint, from what I've watched, and I think I've watched every snap that they've played, he's keeping it pretty simple. You know, the four-man front, playing Osai out there on the edge. He's, some, he's playing cover four. That's all that's, he's playing no. cover four. Cover four and cover one. That's all he's doing. And for some reason, I'm watching the game right now. If a guard pulls – you know, as a linebacker, you got to go with them. You got to see who your triangle is. And that's the one thing I'm watching, the run game, which oh, you would struggle running the ball. But I also look, if these guys don't correct these mistakes, OU's going to have a field day running the ball. Last week, TCU struggled running in versus Iowa State. The running back eclipsed with six point yards a carry. Um, the, the week before, on 16 carries, uh, Sir Roger Thompson, he rushed, I think, 16 carries for 100 and something plus yards. 
But the reason why they're getting this is I'm watching it. It's gap cancellation. It's totally simple, but it's I'm seeing two guys in the same gap. I'm seeing guys getting reached. I'm seeing bad eyes. That's that's really all it is. It's a simple fix. Get your eyes in the right direction instead of, you know, and they're taking the false step. And what I mean by the false step is, and I like to tell linebackers, especially safeties, listen, if it's happening too fast for you, take a step back. Just, just give yourself some room. I'm okay with a one- or two-yard run, but I'm not okay with four-yard run on first down because now it makes a second and six. If I get another three yards, it's a manageable third down. But third and seven, third and eight, third and nine, you should be able to get off the field. A lot of times, offense is trying to go for the sticks. If you're playing cover four, it's four. It's three under four deep. It's pretty simple. But as I'm watching it, I'm just like, okay, it's simple. They ran this play five times. Have you not figured it out yet? And I'm, I, I, I'm lost. I'm really lost because it's it's an easy fix. But I'm, it's it's like you could put guys in position to make a play, but at the same time, that guy has to just make the play. And the question is, can he make? the play and that's what I'm having like some guys are very talented and athletic but they play harder instead of just play smarter and I think that's where it comes down to is even with the recruiting process you recruit these great athletes but are they only relying on their athleticism what about the smart players who dumb it down and make things very simple and let the game come to them instead of them going to the game and trying to do more things than what they need to do. And I think that's where this Ash defense is where it's killing them is that the the players are – I don't think they – I don't know if you say because of the whole not having the spring ball or whatever it is, maybe they don't understand it. But, again, last year they played like a 3-4 defense. This year you play like a 4-3 defense. But at the end of the day, it's still gap cancellation. It's – in a 3-4, I got three down linemen. In a 4-3, I got four down linemen. Just treat one of the down linemen as the outside linebacker like you did last year, and it's the same thing. Let's not make it like it's something totally different, especially in the back half as the safeties in the corners. You still got the same gap cancellation. Don't worry about what's going on in the front seven. And that's what I see with the biggest issue is they're giving up almost 200-yard plus rushing because of the gap cancellation. I I'm, I'm glad that you kind of got into this because as a safety, I'd like to ask you what you think because everyone plays a ton of cover four now. And back in the day, you used to only run it like kind of in the red zone, you know, as it got tighter. And now everyone runs it all over the place. It's like the go-to. But the crazy thing for me is people run cover four, but they don't have anyone over the number two receiver except for the deep safety. And it just blows my mind watching that, that they run cover four, but they don't match any of the inside guys. Well, you and know, there's so cover, much space out there. It's just exactly. weird. Well, cover four, you know, you got that, that whether it's a linebacker or based in the Big 12, it's a nickel or the, the Texas, they call it the spur. You know, you line up in, you line up head up to inside of number two. If it's, if it's run, he's supposed to spill the run outside to make the ball keep bubbling outside. The safety fills off a of number two. If number one comes and cracks the safety, the corner has one-on-one with the running back. It should be an easy fix. The linebacker, the middle linebacker, should open to number three. 
he should already be lined up pretty much head up to number three because you don't want to get outflanked trying to get outside because he's the lead blocker. You have to force that back in to your other defense. And I've just literally just watched the play right now, and I'm looking at the linebacker, and I'm like, dude, the tight end is in the backfield. He's number three. Why are you lined up directly in the middle of the field? And then the tight end goes wide. He goes underneath. I said, well, he didn't cut off the whole defense. Two people in the same gap. And literally, a play that should have went for absolutely nothing just went for 14 yards. And they're not new plays. They're not. It's It's a copycat lead. And so I'm doing a tape right now on how do I think OU is going to attack Texas. Oh, their running game is not there. Listen, their running game will be there versus y'all because y'all do not know how to stop the run. And it's as simple as that. Just because somebody doesn't excel well against another team doesn't mean they're going to look at you and say, well, I'm going to respect you because you're going to stop it too. No, it's a copycat league. If I looked at TCU, they had success running the ball versus you. Texas Tech has success running the ball versus you. Copycat league. What do you think any other team's going to do? Riley's going to come in and say, did you address the problem? And if you did not, as a young quarterback with Spencer Rattler, I'm going to take the ball out of his hand and put it into the older guy's hands to see if they can take care of business. If not, I'm willing to fall back on Spencer Rattler. But if I can run the ball all day and not have him have to throw play action pass and everything is going to kill y'all because y'all going to start cheating up, trying to stop the run, and then you're going to have a guy like Rambo or somebody just run right past you because you got caught flat-footed. Because We're going to be in the same boat, though, defensively. We're going to be in the same boat because we've Look, given up the run and, game. And again, we're saying that same boat, but the question is going to be is, I mean, y'all, I think personally, as a defense thing, y'all are going to say which one of our receivers can beat our DBs one-on-one because yeah. no one has shown that as of yet. No one has shown that they can take – no one has shown it. And I think that's going to – especially if Joshua Moore is not playing, OU is going to look and say, which one of y'all can beat our – which one of y'all can, can take – can beat our, our DBs? And if nobody can do it, we're not going to respect it. Griff, when you, when you look at Texas's defense, who – obviously they're not playing the way that they want to play as a group, but – are there any individuals that you think are playing at a high level right now for Osai. them on that? Oh, oh, Osai, hands down. Osai is like a guy I, that I feel I like, like you're going to have to turn the protection. You got to see where he's at. You're going to turn the protection or whatever it is to him and see. I really don't think Texas has really pass rushers. I don't think they have it. I don't think their team was built for pass. Because you got to understand the recruiting process. You just brought in Ash who really deals with a 4-3. Your, your roster right now with your older guys and your experienced veterans are built for 3-4. You're used to playing, uh, you know, safeties down. You're used to having this, a.k.a. the safeties being your outside linebackers. Overshone, um, last year they had uh, 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 Jones, uh, who's with Miami right now. But you're used to having these type of safeties coming down in the box playing these pretty much outside linebackers. And Osai used to drop out and things of that nature. But now you put them down on the line or whatever as your rush. But I don't think they have any other pass rushers. If you watch the film, the only person that's really getting there on a constant basis is Osai. So when I look at this defense, I really feel like he is the guy 
that you have to focus on. I like Coburn also, who's a defensive tackle. Um, but if y'all decide y'all going to pass a lot, he's not a pass rush defensive tackle. He's more of a run stopper. I think last week he led the team in tackles or assisted tackles plus total tackles. Um, when I look at the secondary, I think the best cover guy is Josh Thompson. Um, last week, I don't know what guy he didn't play as good as he played the first two weeks versus Basher. He excelled until he got banged up. Maybe he was still a little banged up or whatnot. But versus Basher, he did a tremendous job outside of the one fade ball, which he got banged up prior and had to come out, but he came back in. But even on the fade ball in the end zone, I mean, he had perfect coverage. Basher's just six six and made a crazy catch. But uh, he's been playing very well. Um, Jamison is a good athlete. I think he still he relies too much on that, the safety position. You know, I know Caden Stearns had an awesome, tremendous rookie year. Last year he got banged up. This year, you know, when somebody does a lot their first year or the second year, whatever it is, you know that they're always trying to, you know, see if he's going to take that next step. And um, I just – quite don't think he has taken that next step yet. It seems like he's been at the same level the entire time. He makes the plays that come to him, but he's not a guy like you look back in the past, like Earl Thomas and Kenny McCarl, somebody that you're like, where is this guy at all, at all times? But um, I mean, I think the defense is they, they, I, I, oh, size the one I really look at that you, you have Spencer Rattles going to definitely have to figure out where he's at at all times, especially if he holds the ball back there. He got a sack fumble last game. Um, he got to the quarterback a couple of times versus Texas Tech. He's the best pass rusher they have. He's just – he's a guy that just has a motor and just goes, 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 goes. Yeah, and Ash, well, Ash does a good job. He, Teddy, what do you, he'll do some of this overload front stuff to where it, it basically forces you to slide yeah. away from Osai and he gets him a one-on-one. I, I've noticed that on the third and medium, the third and long stuff as I dove into the tape. I mean, Chris Ash, he knows that Osai's his guy. Definitely. And he, he, gets him, he gets him favorable matchups. It's something you would really like, Ted. Yeah, I, I mean, I just want I, I was just, as you were talking, I started thinking about it, and I was like, <laughs> just some of the guys that I played against, like Corey Redding, Sean Rogers, Derek Johnson, Vasher, Hampton, D.D. Lewis, uh, and then guys like yourself, Michael Huff, Quentin Jammer. I mean, the Earl Thomas, the list goes on. Like, the, the front half of the decade of the, of the 2000s, Texas had some dudes defensively, yeah. a bunch of guys, a bunch of draft picks, and then it's been cut off. And that's not necessarily – I mean, it's the same problem that Oklahoma's having. Um, and I just want to ask you, what, do you think that's a conference problem? Is it a development problem? Is it a culture problem at Texas? What, what do you think's the issue there? You know what? I, I think a lot of things have changed because I remember back, and you probably remember this, when you was getting recruited. Like, you used to go to a high school game and the recruit, the recruiters were, you know, the coaches were right there in the stands watching. You know, mm-hmm. these coaches was looking for their guys, who they wanted. They had different reason, regions, and they went to these games Friday nights. Um, the way these schools doing now, they got like a recruiting department. Like, you got – I'm curious of who these guys are. Checking huddle are, highlights. Second huddle highlights, and and I had to go back and I looked, and I'm like, even when you look at these guys that are ranked number one, number two, number three, whatever it is, who ranked these guys? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Like, is it ex pro players? Is it you know pro scout? Who is ranking these guys? 
Because I've seen guys that was ranked, and I'm just like, <laughs> like I've been to a Texas football camp, and they, I'm like watching. I'm like, ooh, this, I like this guy right here. Oh no, no, don't look at him. This guy over here is ranked number two in the country. Who him? How? He can't play. I think that's great. You bring that up. I, I was in my recruiting class. There was two guys in my recruiting class that our coaches went to their school to watch other guys, saw them, offered them. Those guys had no offers from anyone else, and both of them ended up being All-Americans. Because you, I think if you got a scheme, and you know how it is in the lead and everything, if I got a scheme, I got to recruit guys that fit my scheme. You can bring me a, a, a six, a, a, you know, if I'm in the Big 12 and you give me a six, five, 220-pound safety, oh, man, he's number one safety in the country. I, I don't need that. We, we got to cover. What is he going to cover? So I, I don't care if you give me the, you know, he's the best defensive tackle. Listen, the Big 12, we don't run the ball like that. I, I need pass rushers. I, I need pass rushers. I need athletic linebackers that can probably guard a tight end, probably rush but can run sideline to sideline. I'm not here, and, and I asked this question even for the Longhorn Network. I said, does it really matter if you got the number one, number two, four, five recruiting class if you're not winning? Does it really matter? Like, what 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 does that do for you? It's more of a negative like, than anything. Like, you start what is it? Like, what is it? I, I asked the question because last year my question was, the thing that gets me is, if a team finishes every year in the top 10 in the recruiting class, should that team not finish in the top 10 every year at the end of the year? If every year I got the top 10 players, top 10, you know, recruiting, I should have a top 10 team every year. It's like, that should be what it is. And I think, you know, I, I feel really strongly believe some guys max out. I mean, they normally play one position the entire time, and they just, you know, if a guy plays safety and all he does is play in the middle of the field and you get him to your team, really all you can tell him, like, listen, he's middle of the field safety. The problem is can he go make the play? There comes a point where can he go make the play? And when you say development, I'm like, how do you develop a guy that's all he's ever done? What more do you want me to show? Get, get lower in your back pedal. You know, you got to come out your break. All right, I taught you that. Now what? You come out your break, but you're just not fast enough to get over top. I mean, I can't coach that. You just probably just maxed out. Like, you can only do what you – now I can try to put you in position to make plays. But, again, I can – hey, they're going to run a slant. I guarantee they're going to run this slant. They run the slant, but you don't stop it. I put you in a position to make plays. So I really feel like it's – it's just weird to me because I'm really trying to figure out where, you know, with Oklahoma, with Texas being in the Big 12, having access to so many players, where did the disconnect come from on, you know, back in the day it was Texas was either going to go to the national championship or Oklahoma. It was like a period of time where I was like a team in the Big 12 was going to go to the national championship and, and it possibly was going to be USC or possibly it was going to be LSU or – you know, Ohio State or Florida. But, I mean, where did Clemson come from? <laughs> like, where did they start getting these guys from? Mm -hmm. You know, um, Ohio State has been a, a, a top program since we played. Like, it's still been there. 
But where did Miami slack off? Where did Florida State slack off? Where did this, like, how did these teams start, Clemson start running the ACC? How did, you know, Florida used to run the, the SEC, but now they just like a, they, they're like a non-existent team when it comes in there. You're looking at teams like Georgia and, and Alabama and LSU. And I just remember when I played, Georgia and Alabama and LSU were good teams, but they weren't the teams that we were constantly talking about. Coming out of high school, that wasn't even a team I was considered to go to to say, oh, I want to go there to win a national championship. It was like, I'm going to Texas. Like, Texas was a good team. Oklahoma was a great team. Ohio State was a great team. And I'm just trying to figure out where do these disconnects, especially from these big states, where did the disconnect comes from why these schools just fell off so dramatically? Yeah. That's that's a good question. <laughs> like I, I, I mean, because I looked at the draft, I think there was six, maybe six or seven first-rounders that were from Texas. And none of them went to a school – didn't go to OU and didn't go to Texas. Like, I was lost. Like, Jalen Rager, um, I believe the linebacker from Texas Tech, uh, the kid from Ohio State went to um, got drafted by Detroit. There was another kid out of LSU. Um, what was the other ones? Uh, it was either sick. There were some other ones, but they went to other schools outside of Texas and OU. And, I mean, back in the day, it was like, hey – it was always a Texas OU battle when it came to recruitment. Like, who's going to get who? Like, that was the that was the deal. But, I mean, it, just for some reason with these coaches or something, it's like, I don't know, it seems like ever since Stoops and Mac Brown left, both programs kind of just went to nothing. At least OU went to the, 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 the um, playoffs, but Texas has just been like, we've been looking for a head coach for so long and quarterback and running backs and O-line and just one first-round draft pick. We, we ain't had one in a very long time, so it's kind of tough. I love what you said, though, about like, having the eyes on the talent. I think that's, I think that's critical, and it, it just made me think that, you know, I mentioned the two guys that I were in my class, and there's more than just those two, but there's not any projects anymore. Like, True. this kid's going to be good, you know, in a couple of years – uh, Gay biker tied in, end up being a center for us. But, you know, and I'm just thinking, like, because I bring this up to people all the time. Last year's all pro linebackers. Demario Davis went to Arkansas State. Bobby Wagner went to Utah State. And then you look at, like, the, the D-line, you know, there's guys from – like, Aaron Donald went to Pitt. Chandler Jones went to, what, Syracuse. So there's a bunch of these guys that are – were – probably projects but someone went in and watched them was like that guy's going to be good but the big schools are so interested in having the top rated guys that they have, may have already peaked and may have already you know there's not a whole lot of growth left exactly so. I mean, it's 100% because I came to Texas I was a running back I didn't play defense I didn't play defense so I got to Texas I remember walking into the room and you got Cedric Benson and all these guys sitting there, and I'm like, this ain't going to work out for me, Coach. <laughs> I remember going to the wide receiver room, and it's Roy Williams, B.J. Johnson, Sloan Thomas, and guys like Lyman Smead and Billy Pitt. Oh, this ain't going to work out for me, Coach. And then I go to the DB room, and I'm like, okay, all right, I'm in it. But I remember my, my recruiting class was myself. I was a running back. Terrell Brown was a running back. My twin brother was the quarterback. We had another guy named Eric Foreman who was a quarterback who's swarping down, he was a quarterback. They, he came to safety, 
And the coach is like, no, you're a linebacker. He's 6'4", 220. He was a quarterback. He used to warm up every game as if he was a quarterback. And everybody thought he was Vince Young when he warmed up <laughs> because he could throw the ball further and everything. But he was our starting Sam linebacker as a true freshman. Billy Pittman was a wide receiver who came – he was a quarterback initially who was a wide receiver. And that's just how we operate. To, um, Chris Obanai, who played in the lead as a fullback, he came to Texas as a wide receiver and then converted to a running back and then went to a fullback. That's just how we did – Drew Kelson was the number one safety in the country, played linebacker. He's like – coach was like, the best way to you get on the field, you got to go to linebacker. Henry Melton, who played in the league, was a running back when he came to Texas. Um, Lamar Houston, who played for the Raiders, he was a running back. Sergio Kendall, second round, he was a running back. Like, those were the projects. They were like, they're great players. We just have to develop them into what we feel like they are best suited for. And that's what we did. But uh, Brian Robinson, who played, I think, 12 years for the Minnesota Vikings, he was a linebacker. That He was a middle linebacker that got no playing time. The coach was like, just bulk up. We'll move you to defensive end. So he bulked up, moved to defensive end, drafted in the fourth round, played 12 years. But that's just how we operated back then. Now you get guys that come in and it's just – he is a he, he's a safety. What? He's a safety. Well, and they tell the coaches where they're going to play too. <laughs> that too. <laughs> You're right. Trust me. I heard the, I I I've heard can't hear the end of guys getting. The, I I mean these coaches I even seen they they change the packet. They make a package. You you're a linebacker, but we just going to call it something else to make you feel better that you're still a safety. Like what? Like you stay in the box. You a linebacker. Like you, you six yards from the line of scrimmage. You want to, you want to consider yourself a safety. You don't, you don't blame. You don't ever get out of there. You stay right there in the box and you get 10 tackles a game, but we're going to call you a different position to make you feel better. Okay. Gotcha. Like, I don't get it, but all right. You're our buzz backer. Yeah. For the sake of God, like what is a spur? Like if you go into, you go into an NFL uh, uh, interview so what position did you play? I played spur. Okay, question mark. What is a spur? Like, well, is that something y'all do down south in Texas? Like, what is a spur? Like, that's are you nickel or are you dime? What is it? Like, what is your job? Oh, you just a linebacker. Got you. This, you know, we play that in you know Baltimore Ravens. They play that with Anthony Levine. He comes in the game. He's a special teams freak, but he comes in as a linebacker. Adrian Phillips, he played, went to the Pro Bowl. He plays for uh, the Patriots now. He's a linebacker. He's a safety, but he just plays linebacker. They just, you know, that's it's simple. They just want to make these guys feel. Maybe that's another thing. They need to take the bottle out these kids' mouths or something. I don't know, man. It's 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 it's. I don't know. It's just baffling me just how this thing operates and just how you're losing so much talent. Why these teams are not who they used to be. I really feel like both schools should definitely be competing each and every year to make this game so much more meaningful, let alone the Big 12 championship, let alone 
one of these teams each and every year should definitely be in the college football playoffs. And that's just how I strongly believe and feel. I mean, they are, you know, when it comes to when you back playing football, these two programs should definitely be a program that every kid across the country is considering. And, and I just really don't know how, you know, you get these kids that are going to, no offense to TCU or Baylor or Tech or whatever other schools that are in the Big 12, but again, I just don't see how these two programs, especially with the, the history uh, that they have behind the programs and why they're not getting, like yourself, Teddy, I remember watching you when I was younger. I was like, hey, I don't want to play running back because I got to get hit by him. I'll pass. <laughs> but again, I mean, and that's I'm, that's all due respect. I, rem- like, I remember watching you play and and so I, I just don't understand how these programs have, have fell off and, you know, that you, we're trying to figure out who our next quarterback is. Like, that was never an issue back in the day. Like, it was just never an issue. Um, it, it, and I just don't see how these, these programs have, have come to where they are today. Now, Griff, before we let you run, man, uh, with your role at Longhorn Network, I know you watch a lot of Big 12 football and – what have you seen so far this year? Uh, who do you like maybe to end the year as the Big 12 champ? Uh, I, I just I just made a bet with somebody. My bet, right, now, it, has, it has to be in this order. I made a bet with somebody. I said, this year I strongly believe Oklahoma State has the best chance. They got the number – they got the best running back in Big 12 right now. Um, and they have the best wide receiver with Wallace on the outside. And uh, when um, Sanders comes back, this, this, that offense is very, very powerful offense. Their defense is still intact. A lot of core great players over there. I like them with the best chances of winning the big 12 this year. I think with the talent and the speed and the players that TCU has, they're very young, but I think next year with Mac, I think it's, it's going to be his time to shine next year. Um, with Max Duggan and that, that receiving core and things of that nature. And I think after that, I really think unless Texas can get something turned around, um, I really think OU with Spencer Rattler, when he – he he's a very talented, talented, talented player. And we know what Lincoln Riley can do with quarterbacks. And I think when he gets comfortable – and he just understands and, and, and the game slows down for him, I really think he's going to be a real threat when it comes to the Big 12. He's going to be a very highly talked about player in the future. Good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, what about oh. Uh, this weekend? Who wins the game this weekend? Whoever got the ball last. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whoever got the last win. It's going to be a turnover. It's going to be whoever least amount of turnovers, whoever, you know, whoever wins the turnover battle, and, and I really feel like one of the teams is going to have to steal a possession. I really don't think any one of the defenses is going to stop any one of the offense. So I really think it's going to come down to if you could steal a possession. Um, I think that's what TCU was able to do, stole a possession by getting an interception right before half and getting three points. Um, that was the difference in the game when they needed to score a touchdown towards the end. I think if you want to stop the other offense, it's not going to be stopping the yardage, but it's going to be stealing up another possession. If you can get, you know, one or two two scores up on the other team and force their hand on instead of having to kick a field goal, got to score touchdowns, I think that's the way. And I think that's just how Big 12 football is being played as of late. I don't think there's really any defense when it comes to the Big 12. I know uh, Iowa State is supposed to have a strong defense. They definitely have a strong defensive front. But um, in the back half, I mean – 
people are still able to move the ball when it comes to the passing game. So um, I really think if you can steal a possession from the other opposing team, um, if Texas can force the game into Spencer Rattler's hands, I think they have a better shot. But if if they don't, good night, baby. I love you. Love you too, baby. Um, but I really think if um, if they can get Spencer Rattler, if they force the game to Spencer Rattler's hands, I think Texas can have the upper hand. But if OU can steal a possession away from Sam and and they can continue to hold on to the ball and run the ball and Texas does not correct their run defense, I think OU has a shot. So it all depends on who can execute the game plan going into this game. Sounds good to me, man. Hey, Griff. Appreciate the time. Hey, you gonna be at the game? Are you guys making the trip no, to Dallas? No, no, no. I'm gonna stay. We're gonna stay. We're gonna shoot from uh, the studio. We okay. Yeah, we're not, cool. Are y'all going or? We're going. We're gonna. We're we're braving it there with the uh, twenty five thousand man. I mean, it shouldn't be bad. You probably can't fun. get corn dog or uh, probably can't get all the goodies that used to. Remember after the game, you should just try to see if you can run oh. over there and grab what you need to get before you get back on the bus. See how many beers I could chug before I had to get back on the bus. <laughs> like, let me, hey, I'm gonna run. Hey, listen, just call me and let me know before the, the bus leave or if it starts hitting a horn or something. I'm gonna run over here and try to grab me this funnel cake real quick. <laughs> get me this corn dog. It didn't matter if you win or lost. You're like, I'm gonna run over here and go grab this real quick. Just make sure if they start saying we're about to leave, call me, please. Call me. <laughs> And there'd be so many people there, you know, your phone don't even work, so you never got the call. So you just be chasing the bus or something. So, but uh, yeah, it's, it should be it should be a good game. I, I think this is an opportunity one for Spencer to show his to for Rattler to show his 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 show his skill set. This is a great opportunity for him. Um, definitely will be a confidence booster for himself if he can, you know. I know he'll be able to, if they're zero and three. He'll definitely be in a funk and got to try to get him out of that. But if he wins this definitely be a confidence booster for him. Um, Texas, you know, I, I think it's going to be, to me, it's going to be out of these two teams who's going to play Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship. That's just what I strongly believe. Well, we appreciate the time, man. Um, hopefully the Texas fans are being nice to you, even though you correctly predicted TCU beating them and they got all mad at you on Twitter. But- hey, listen, I mean, let's, let's – <laughs> They was they was literally the record was what six and two or like six and like they six. won five out of the last six. Not six out of the last seven. Yep. Not, but literally, what I'm saying is, it was since TCU has joined the Big Twelve, they were like six and two versus Texas, and all almost all of them double digit wins too. Exactly. So I was like, you you don't think I'm gonna take you don't think I'm gonna take with what, what's like Pat. Coach Patterson got your number. Like, what do you mean? Like, like last year, did you not see the, the, the same quarterback last year did the same thing this year? Like, what did you think was going to change? Why are you mad at me? I'm not coaching the team. Everybody <laughs> thought I was, like, crazy. I was like, listen, Texas, we all know Texas does not do a good job at tackling, do not do a good job at a mobile quarterback. And that's why I really feel like this week – Spencer Riley may get the same. I mean, the last two years, what did he do? Kyler Murray in the fourth quarter alone put OU back in the game. And then last year, Jalen Hurts hurt him with his legs. So I get it. Spencer Rattler is young. But what's the easiest thing we can tell him to do? Just don't throw it. We're going to run these plays right here and see if they can stop it. If you're about to get hit, just slide. 
and we'll go it. But they're giving up over six, seven yards of carry. Let's just run the ball. They can't stop it. Well, Easy enough. We'll see what happens enough. Saturday. Hey, I'm about to apply for a coaching job. Grip. Hey, man, it was great catching up. Appreciate the time, bro. Hey, thank y'all. Y'all stay safe and appreciate y'all and appreciate everything. Thank y'all. Damn, Ted, I I thought you were going to start just nerding out X's and O's (laughs) with my man Griff. You were loving that. Hey, we started off with your typical uh, how special is the OU Texas game, and then we got into the entire Big 12 and then X's and O's, and then recruiting, and we just kind of covered absolutely everything. So that was awesome. Yeah, that was it. If, if someone listened to that and they don't like football like that much, sorry. Uh, <laughs> got, got a little deep in the weeds there, which is fun, which is always fun. I, I enjoy that. But, yeah, Griff's a great guy, and he certainly uh, – certainly feels a certain way about the University of Texas football program right now. That yeah. was uh, that was fun. <laughs> that was fun. All right, Ted, let's move on to Call Your Shot. And Call Your Shot's brought to you by Rock and Roll Tequila. Rock and Roll Tequila is the ultra-premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for its superior taste and smooth finish. To find a store that has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is good. If you don't want to take my word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy. This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll. Ted, Mike D., at Moby underscore Dick underscore, which is <laughs> quite quite yes. the Twitter handle. Uh, he's calling his shot for the OU Texas game, and he says, bold prediction, OU comes away with three turnovers. Now, we may need to check our man Mike D for drugs because, well, I, I guess if you saw what happened with Purdy – last week like he threw a couple to him they just they weren't able to capitalize on those situations they weren't able to catch the football so i guess it's not that crazy to think that this defense could force three turnovers we saw ellinger throw kind of a horrible interception against tcu miscommunication between uh, him and josh moore so i I mean, it's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. You, you think that's something that could happen? That is quite the bold prediction, though. It is the craziest thing I've heard. Uh, <laughs> Ellinger does not turn the football over. If this were his freshman year where he was a turnover machine, then I would say, okay, yeah, three turnovers, let's do it. If it's not there, he runs it. He, he does not force the football. and That's something that he's done a really good job. I think, what is he right now, like, 
14 touchdowns, two interceptions, something like that. He just doesn't turn it over. I think he had six all last year. Um, I would love to come away with three turnovers. If we come away with three turnovers, we'll, we win this thing in a blowout. But I wonder if Moby underscore Dick underscore is saying, like, we turned the ball over three times. No? I hope <laughs> I hope not. I, I, he said forces, right? Or, I guess you could force. It says come away. It says comes turnovers. away. Comes away with three turnovers. I think comes away thing. means that the, we're forcing the turnovers. I hope so. Come on, Mike D. I believe this stat is correct. Oklahoma has lost the turnover battle in 13 of the last 14 games they've played in. That so, is not good. If you take a look at history, that would say that we're not going to turn the ball over three times or get three turnovers. So I would love if that happens. If it does, like I said, this game won't be close. But history has not that's, – that's not the way it's gone so far. So I hope I'm wrong. But – Yeah. I still think I, Oklahoma wins the game. Here's the thing. I feel better about Oklahoma beating Texas than I did about Oklahoma beating Iowa State. That's fair. I kind of feel the same, actually. It's not like this, Oklahoma, or excuse me, Texas is not the type of team that worries me. What worries me is a gritty, uh, like hard-nosed football that's like all focused on the details, special teams. You know, the like that type of team worries. Maybe not me. the best athletes, but great football players, right. know, guys that care a ton that, and show how much they care me. with the way they play. Texas, I think we're going to move the ball on Texas. I think offensively we're going to – it's going to be like, wow, we look great on offense. It's like, well, yeah, so did Texas Tech, so did TCU. So I think we're going to have a good day. And I I just don't – like I get worried, and I hate that I feel this way, but I get worried that uh, Kansas State can out-tough us or TCU can out-tough us. It should never be that way, but that's just kind of unfortunately how I feel right now. I don't worry about Texas out-toughing us. I just don't. I got you. I, I do have a, a bold prediction as well for this game, and I think it's I, – I think we could see a big dose of TJ Pledger and Marcus Major in this football game uh, from some of the things I've been hearing. So, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what that running back position looks like for Oklahoma on Saturday. Quarterback so, run game? You you got to sprinkle some in, you have right? With to. with how much success they've had with it over the last couple of years against Texas, I know Chris Ashley's implemented a different scheme. Okay, what quarterback run game still really really difficult to defend? It, at least just, show just it. tell Rattler it, to get down, yeah, get down. It, just show it to have it in the back of their head anytime you're running any of that shotgun run game. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, okay, one more piece of local college football news. Oklahoma State on a bye this week, and Cowboys have to feel good. Only undefeated team left in the Big 12. Defense playing well. Uh, I'm sure they'll be working on themselves this week, and they'll sprinkle in a little bit of Baylor prep, but get another week for Spencer Sanders to heal up, and life's good in Stillwater right now. The only undefeated team left in the Big 12. How about that? It's crazy. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. I want you to answer them quickly. Okay. Is Chuba Hubbard the best running back in the Big 12? No. On a team that matters. How, does Brees Hall matter? 
Yeah. Okay, well, I'm also like projecting Brees Hall for the future. I'm going to say yes, yes. Okay, is Tyler Wallace the best wide receiver in the Big 12? Yes. Is Trace Ford the best pass rusher in the Big 12? No. Is uh, Harvey Peel the best safety in the Big 12? Good question. Uh, yes. Yes. No, yeah. No, I, I mean. He's there. The Murray kid's pretty good from TCU. Yeah. I mean, he's a good player. But he's, in, he's right there in the conversation, right? Correct. Oh, yeah, definitely. Malcolm Rodriguez, the best inside backer in the Big 12? Probably him and Wallow. In the conversation. And Definitely. I would say that Trace Ford's in the conversation for pass rusher, too, at least the way that he started. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of what I'm saying is, like, you just kind of look at it and at most of the positions that matter, they're either the best in the conference at it or in the conversation. So, it's just – it's weird whenever you think about it, Oklahoma State. Like, one position maybe usually – Two, okay, but there's several that if they're not the best, they're right there in the short group of, of being right there and close. Probably why their defense is uh, looking pretty solid. I thought yeah. that interior of their defense line was going to be the weak point, but Cameron Murray's been good. Uh, they got a good rotation of guys going in there that are playing at a high level. I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with Oklahoma State. Really am. All right, Ted, let's move on to the National College Football Roundup, and that is brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R. ICA.com. Okay, a few pieces of college football news uh, before we preview some of the marquee games. Kevin Sumlin, I know it was a while ago, but part of the OU family, uh, tested positive for COVID-19. Now said he is he has isolated himself, said he isn't experiencing any symptoms. So that is good. Sounds like he wants to get back on the sideline as soon as possible. And you know that it's a big year. For him, yeah, right. So not ideal, not an ideal set of circumstances for our man Sumlin, Ted. Well, I mean, they still got three months before they actually kick <laughs> off for a football game, so I think he's going to be just fine. It's a, like November seventh, right? I mean, it's, it seems so far, and like it's less than a month away now, but it seems so far away. It seems like a million years from now. But uh, here's what's bad about that: that's the next time we have a home game. So uh, that's that's pretty bad too. Gross. Yeah. Summy, hey man, uh, get it over with now. You know the last thing you want to do is miss one of those games where you're getting destroyed by uh, Oregon or or Southern Cal or something. So yeah, it's a good point. Uh, on a hopefully 
not, not more serious note, but it's certainly a more alarming note. Bobby Bowden, the legendary Florida State coach, of course, who is 91, has also tested positive, uh, but sounds like he's doing well. All, everything I've read, I know that they've, you know, had some precautions uh, with his age and all these things, but Bobby Bowden seems like the last guy in the world that would die from coronavirus. I'm just going to call it how I see it. He's just like, nope, not doing it. I'm, yeah, I'm good. Nope. He's good. He'll be fine. He's going to kick it right through this thing. Have I ever told you the story about my grandma and Bobby Bowden? Have I you said ha- that on here? I think so, but tell it again. Why not? I mean, it pertains. Yeah, I just – I couldn't remember. I thought maybe I had said that on here, but – She wrote I, She wrote him a letter, right? Wrote him a letter. Tell it again, uh, Teddy. <laughs> tell it again. My Yeah, my recruiting agent was my grandma writing letters to uh, college football programs across the country. Wrote one to Bobby Bowden. Hey, you should take a look at my son. Thanks, Granny. Thank you for that. Awesome. Appreciate it. I'm sure he still remembers that. He, I, Bobby Bowden seems like a guy that would remember everything, and there's no way he doesn't remember a grandma, like her plea to recruit her grandson. I mean, here's what's amazing. You gotta remember that. I know she wrote a letter to Bobby Bowden. I know she wrote a letter to Nebraska, but she didn't write a letter to Bill Snyder, who turns, what, 81 today. And my grandma went to K-State. Think about that. They're finally playing good football at the time. At the time, she didn't even write a letter to Bill. Huh. Your grandma went to K-State. My That's dad right. went to K-State. Look at the – we got all Look kinds of K-State connections. Look at that. It still doesn't make the other week feel any better. <laughs> we both got beat by K-State. It's great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. At home, too. At home. It was <laughs> nice. great. It's fantastic. Let's talk about getting beat by K-State some more. Or how about we don't? Okay, Uh, this is interesting. Uh, Not unexpected, but North Dakota State quarterback Trey Lance will skip the spring season that he was supposed to play, and he will train for the NFL draft. Now, he played one game. I think it was against Central Arkansas. Had a couple passing touchdowns. Showed off the wheels. Had a couple rushing touchdowns, and NFL scouts love this guy. He's projected to be a top 10 pick coming out of North Dakota State. So, yeah, this seems like an easy decision for our man Trey Lance. Yeah, uh, he's not touching that FCS field. No way, uh, no how. I'll tell you what's interesting is, I mean, guys like like him used to be where the NFL was like, hey, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. But this is the new style of quarterback that's going into the NFL. I mean, look at what Lamar Jackson's done. Uh, Kyler Murray, Tua, who was a a top five pick to the Dolphins. I mean, this is kind of what you should expect moving forward is uh, guys that can move around and can run. And the difference is this dude's big. Big. I didn't realize, realize how big he was. My question is, how in the hell did he end up at North Dakota State and not at, like, Ohio State or something? These are the confusing ones, right? Yeah. He's Where you're listed like, at 6'4 to, like, 230. It's like, a guy this big, he can't fit through the cracks. He can't slip through the cracks when that his big ass can't even fit through the cracks. Like, what are – but clearly it doesn't matter, and this is the ultimate example – Teddy, you know it just as well as I do. If you're good enough, it doesn't matter where you play. The NFL will find you. Now, 
you're not always going to be a top 10 pick, but good for Trey Lance. This, this is pretty badass. North Dakota State, look out. I mean, gosh, if you're, a, if you're wanting to be a quarterback, and I mean, it, it's better to have an offer from there than maybe a mid-tier Power 5 school, honestly. Yeah, that's, I mean, <laughs> that's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. I mean, and all they do, I mean, seriously. You're, you're guaranteed to win what? You go there, what, at least two, three, maybe four national championships? I mean, how many other quarterbacks have had a uh, – or how many other universities – in all of college football, have had two first-round quarterbacks in the last, what, three, four, five years? I feel like this is a trick question because uh, unless I'm an idiot, Oklahoma's had that. <laughs> but, Oklahoma um, has, but, I mean, it's like – it's not very common. So. Yeah, it, you're, you're right. You're definitely right. Um, yeah, the Bison. Alabama I I, just had their first first-round quarterback ever, right? I think so, yeah, too. It's got to be right. Or at huh. least in a long, long, long time. So. Yeah, well, as long as we can remember. There we go. Uh, <laughs> right. One more piece of college football news. The Missouri-LSU game has been moved from Baton Rouge to Columbia, Missouri, which I'm sure the LSU people are just absolutely thrilled about. Uh, you go from playing a home game to a road game, a home night game to an 11 a.m. kickoff on the road. Ooh. That's quite the switch. But – there's really not much you can do about it. Not much you can complain because Hurricane Delta is on its way. Dude, those people in Louisiana can't buy a damn break. I mean, it's unbelievable. What's after the Greek alphabet whenever we're going through the, uh, the naming of hurricanes? I wasn't in a fraternity, so this alpha, <laughs> A, B, C, D, E, E. So, like, what, Hurricane Epsilon's up next? <laughs> What a horrible I, I hurricane mean, name. We may make it through the whole thing. Who knows? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so that game's getting moved. Hopefully, everyone down that way, hope you guys all are safe. Anyone listening to this is out there. Uh, be careful. Hurricanes, not something to mess with. All right, Ted, let's look at some of the marquee games this weekend, and there's some good ones. Yeah. I mean, there's some really good ones. Uh, first one that caught my eye, number four, Florida. He's going to travel to College Station to take on number 21, Texas A&M. And, and I know, A&M got their ass beat against Alabama, but that was expected, right? I mean, it's still Alabama. And with the way Alabama looks right now, I don't Ooh. know who can play with him. I don't even know if Clemson can play with Bama right now. They but look salty. It, am I crazy to think that this game against Florida is actually kind of more important for an A&M because, you know, Florida's been good, but they haven't been great. You know, Dan Mullen, he, he's got everything going in the right direction. But I feel like this game is a better measure of where Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies right. are right now because you, you try to compare yourself to Bama. I, there's just no one that can do that except for Clemson, really. So uh, I feel like this game is big for that program and – I'm not sure A&M can handle the dangerous combination of Kyles, right? Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts. <laughs> the, the chemistry between these guys is unreal. The Pitts kids, he's fun to watch. But this feels like a huge game for A&M, especially a big, big game for Kelman. No, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And here's the thing, man. You can say what you want about the SEC West and how difficult it is. And 
Texas A&M, they knew what they were getting into right when they left the Big 12, okay? They knew what they were getting into. But no one's going to continue to feel sorry for you, okay? At some point, you've got to win one of these games that maybe you're not supposed to win. you got to beat a Florida at home. Um, they've got Tennessee later. you you got to win at Tennessee. They've got to win at Auburn. They've got to start doing at least something to make it appear that you've got things headed in the right direction. And like I said, I mean, we can only talk about how tough the schedule is for so long, aside from moving conferences. Like, what do you want to do about it? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, what else are you going to do? I mean, last year you lost a, a, a bunch of really good football teams, essentially the who's who of the top 10 Clemson, Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, LSU. But you got to win those games. It's unfair. I get it, but this is big boy football. That's why you're paid $7.5 million a year. you got to find a way to win these games, and they're not going to do it until they can figure something out at quarterback. I mean, here's the real difference for me, and I, I know we've talked about this, but the days of playing great defense and having a solid running game and winning games in the SEC are over. I mean, with Mac Jones at Alabama right God, after Tua. God, he looks good. Trask looks good. Hell, Stetson looked really good against Stetson Auburn. Bennett. Oh, you don't think we're – we're definitely going to talk some more Stetson. Don't, don't you worry about it, pal. Can't wait. But here's the – I mean, it is what it is. Win the games. I mean, you're paid $7.5 million. I'm sorry. And Kellen Mond, we talked about it. He's a good-looking athlete. But he, dare I say – just a guy. I mean, I I think he's I I think he's at that point right where I feel like he's I been mean, there forever now. What what has he really done? And I I do I I like the Spiller kid at running back. Maybe they can get that running game going against Florida. Florida extremely talented on defense. Uh, pass rush not as scary as it was last year, right? But they can still get after the QB. So I think this is going to be a good one. And and this is one where the A and M fans, I think they should be like, we should win this game. Yeah, we're, we're at home. It's not like Florida doesn't have better players than them when you look at the recruiting rankings and all that I mean, shit. So it's true. Uh, there's no excuses. Like you can lose to Bama, okay? It's Bama. Like we get it. They're they're unreal. But this is a game that if you want to be taken seriously in the SEC, you got to start. Like you said, you got to start winning games like this. Right. I mean, I like, um, I like Trask at quarterback, but I mean, honestly, compared to what you went up against last year, when you played Tua, you played um, Joe Burrow. I mean, the list of quarterbacks you played last year was fantastic. Kyle Trask to me is good, but I'm not totally convinced that he's like a big time difference maker, right? Like Trask is not one of those guys. Bo Nix is not one of those guys. Oh, hell You no. should be able to beat some of these quarterbacks, especially if you're playing them at home like you've got Florida now. So, no, yep. I'm with you. Yeah. Big one. Big one for the Texas A&M Aggies. And, frankly, big one for Florida because, you know, with the way that Georgia has looked ever since they made the change to Stetson, <laughs> I, I – it's going to be fun. The SEC East is going to be a lot of fun to keep an eye on. Speaking of the SEC East, 
Number 14, Tennessee, goes to number three, Georgia. Going to be a little awkward for our man, Cade Bays, right? Uh, this will be the first time he's taken on Georgia since that uh, whole thing happened. But I think it, it's going to be more awkward for his dad, right? His dad's just going to hold his pinky up the entire time. Enough, you did enough. this. <laughs> you did this. Or was it – I don't know which finger I it was. I don't know either. But, yeah, but that, it, was, that whole deal was insane. Just bizarre. But uh, we'll see if our man Stetson Bennett can keep it rolling for the dogs. Like, I, I fully anticipate him with the way he's been playing, right? He, he's got to be the guy. It doesn't really matter to me what JT Daniels feels like right now. If Bennett's going to play that way, you got to roll with the guy. Now, Jarrett Garantano is an experienced guy, mm. but this Georgia defense, uh, I mean, these, these dudes are uh, – this is, this is an elite defense. And Georgia's kind of got these guys year after year now on the defensive side of the football. I just can't imagine Tennessee. And I know what Jeremy Pruitt's been doing. I know how they've been recruiting – I know that they've won. You go back to last year and this year, what is it, like eight wins in a row? Like, they got it rolling. There's no doubt it's headed in the right direction, but I don't see them going and beating Georgia. And mainly, Tennessee may have the worst fan base to deal with on Twitter. Like, I don't want to have to experience what that fan base would be like, what they would do, what they would say if they go win this game. So, Georgia, come on, do us all a solid. Like, come on, man. I'll tell you what's weird. The last time we played Tennessee at Tennessee, I had, I had Tennessee fans in my mentions for a year leading <laughs> up to that football game, a year. They listened to, like, our radio show. They listened to all of our stuff. They're crazy, man. In the mentions nonstop. But – I didn't have anything from them the last time around, which is, which is interesting. But um, I, I like Tennessee. I think they're a tough, disciplined football team, and that's something I never thought I would say about Tennessee before Pruitt got there. And they are. But kind of like a and I they don't have a quarterback. Garantano's just – I mean, he, he's been there, but he's just not a difference maker. He's yeah. just okay. That, uh, it, you keep bringing that up, and, I mean, that's the difference, right? You, you get in the SEC, right, and there's, there's no argument to be had. There's the most talent of any conference by far when you look at the players in that conference. Like, it's, it's not particularly close. But it, it seems that you can go across the board, you know, with – Teams like Tennessee and Florida and Georgia and Bama and pretty similar body types, pretty similar skill sets. But if you don't have quite the talent that another team has, the, the thing that can make it even or make you even win some of those games is an elite quarterback, a, yeah. a difference maker at quarterback, you know, the, the Cam Newton effect, right? Sure. I mean, whenever you look at it, I, I would I would compare uh, – I would say that I, I probably even like Bo Nix better than uh, Garantano. Um, it's close. I mean, I – Well, yeah, Garantano's a senior. He kind of is what he is. Bo Nix only a sophomore. So you would anticipate him getting better, but I don't think either of them are very good. At least Bo right. Nix can kind of run around a little bit. Here's the thing. 
Um, Bo Nix against Georgia was 21 of 40 for 177 yards and an interception. That's it. Not great, Bob. And I'm going to tell you right now, Auburn's got some dudes on that offense. They got some skill guys. They got the Florida 100-meter champion as a wide receiver that's not small. He's big. He ran a 10-flat 100 meters, and he was getting his ass kicked in that game. It was unreal. I I watched the SEC replay the other night. I couldn't believe what I was looking at. Georgia has, like, 13, that rush backer, that rush end. (laughs) I mean. They – this is this is a word, and I, I mean it, you know, out of respect, and I use it all the time. Like, you want to have creatures on your football team. You want to have guys that when they come out for warm-ups, that the other team goes, oh, holy shit, look at that guy. Right. And Georgia's defense is littered with creatures where you just look at him and you go, damn, look at that dude. I mean, Bo Nix threw a like just a little um, like kind of like a quick skinny post down the red zone. He almost got his guy killed. I mean, <laughs> the safety comes up and obliterates him. There's uh, ear pads flying out. His mouthpiece goes about 15 yards. Yeah, I mean the guy gets tossed, but he almost killed his best wide receiver for the season. I mean. I was, or for life. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, I was dumbfounded watching that game because I knew Georgia had some guys, but, you know, just because the last couple of years, I just kind of uh, been a little turned off by him. And that defense is unreal. And Stetson, dude, come on. Stetson. He's, he's not going to blow you away, but he's quick. He's accurate. He makes good, smart, quick decisions. And it's good enough for them. You know, um, it's, it's for them, that's all they need right now. They don't need anyone that's going to really blow your doors off. That's how good they are everywhere else. Yeah. I think it's safe to say we both like Georgia in that game. Now, there are some good matchups in the ACC this weekend. Uh, number 19, Virginia Tech is going to number eight. North Carolina, you did not mishear me. I said number eight, North Carolina. And this is a game between two teams that have really struggled to just play games. (laughs) I mean, both teams, a very strange path to get to this one. But you look at Virginia Tech, the last couple weeks, they've been running the hell out of the football. And I I feel so bad for Kansas fans that have to watch Khalil Herbert do what he's doing for the Hokies. Remember when he just bounced from Kansas? He was a captain. He was like, you know what? I'm out. I'm out of here. (laughs) I'm out. But it feels like North Carolina, they've got a big advantage at quarterback with Sam Howell. Uh, I'm not even sure. It sounds like there's some discussion there with Fuente and his staff about who's going to play quarterback for Virginia Tech, so uh, that's never what you want going into a big game like this, but I still can't believe it. Mac Brown, <laughs> top 10 team, unbelievable, and I know that, you know, this is a weird year, but still, North Carolina football, top 10 football team. Top 10 football team, and I don't know where they are now, but at one point, he had a top five recruiting class. I think they've they've dropped back a bit, um, but 
Dude, Mac Brown's getting it done in North Carolina. He's getting it done. And all I can think about whenever I see that is Texas fans, you know, couldn't wait to get him out of there. And they have been terrible since he left. Terrible. And he just picks up at North Carolina. I was like, sure, yeah, I ain't got nothing else to do. We love it here. I'll coach I'm tired the of TV. I miss the kids. Yeah, no big deal. Top 10, North, Car- North Carolina, top 10. Unbelievable. So I, he's always- done a great job. That quarterback there he's got is gritty. He's athletic. He's not very polished throwing the football, but he gives them a chance. Yeah. North Carolina is one of those schools, and I know it's a really good academic school. Like, I understand maybe it's hard to get some kids in there. I, I really don't know what the, what the requirements are for North Carolina academically. But it's always, it's always been one of those schools where I'm like, why aren't they good at football? Yeah, because good athletes in that yeah, area. And, too. and it's, it, it's different than, like, Kansas, right? Because there's not a ton of high school football talent in the state of Kansas. Right. Now, they've, they've got the JUCO system. But there's not just like a natural recruiting base in that state. That's not the case in North Carolina. Like yeah. you got North Carolina, you got South Carolina. There's dudes in and that they got area cool of the country. Uniforms. That's what I'm saying. And they've got the best, other than crimson, they've got the best color in all of college athletics. Carolina blue is by far, other than crimson, the best color. And they've got Jordan. They've got a great basketball team. That campus is awesome. Like, it makes no sense that they're not better at football. I've never understood it. Well, I think one of the big problems is anytime they've had a decent coach, they haven't been able to keep them. And they got lucky in a coach that was basically retired and was like, ah, you know what, maybe I will come back, you know, where he, where he had coached before. So, I don't know. It's interesting to see if this thing's going to have any legs, how long he stays, if he can continue to recruit well. You got to win, man. You only have a small little window to where you're the cool kind of thing going on, and if you don't capitalize on it, it's you're going to be right back to square one. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see how long Mac does it, but he's definitely doing things right there in Chapel Hill. Now, one more game to look at for this weekend, and – this is no doubt the game I'm most excited about other than OU Texas. And that is number seven Miami going to number one Clemson. Now, the best part about this game, it has no overlap with OU Texas. None. Let's I think go. what? 630 kickoff. So we'll even be able to get back from Dallas, maybe, Ted, and watch this bad boy. So you don't have to worry about that. Now, Miami is nowhere near Clemson from a talent standpoint. It, it's just not close when you look up and down those rosters. But I do think Miami's offense, if that offensive line can hold up, if they can hang on, Derek King and that, that group of skilled players, uh, the Brevin Jordan kid, Cameron, they're going to put up some some yards. I, I don't know. You know that BV is just in the lab right now cooking up something for De'Aaron King. I, I can't wait to see what he comes up with. But, Teddy, you know as well as I do that QB run game, no matter how talented you are on the defensive side of the ball, QB run game is hard to stop. Even, 
even when you got better players, like, cause it's just math, right? Yeah. I, I mean, it's just math. So that's going to be really interesting to see what Derek King can do. Obviously as a passer, I think he's proven that he's a better passer than a lot of people think he is, but I'm interested to see if they get some QB run game dialed up, if he gets loose a little bit, maybe we get a relatively decent game for a couple quarters before Clemson starts pulling away. It'd be a hell of a lot more decent than we thought it was going to be six months ago or whatever. That's whenever. a great point. So, yeah. And, you know, we've seen some crazy things happen in college football. I mean, Clemson, what they lost a pit at home one year and not whenever pit was good. Uh, lost to Syracuse one year, not when Syracuse was good. Stuff like this happens. Now, it's more difficult whenever you have someone's attention. And Miami's definitely got Clemson's attention. They don't get challenged a whole lot in the regular season. So this is going to be a big game for them. And I, and I bet that they've been gearing up, one for, or gearing up for this one for quite a while. I mean, here's the thing, though. I know everyone has basically already chiseled uh, Trevor Lawrence's name into the Heisman Trophy this year. But Derek King is probably the best other option. And if he beats him, in Clemson, that's going to be hard to bounce back from if you're Trevor Lawrence. So, oh, no doubt. I mean, that, that puts that added pressure on Clemson. And you're right. Miami's playing with house money at this point. You know, just go it, in, play well, see what happens. There's, there's absolutely no pressure on Miami, right? I mean, why, why would they feel any pressure? I mean, Clemson's the juggernaut of college football. Like, they're at home. I mean, if you're Miami, you're going in that thing loose as can be, and we'll see what Trevor Lawrence does in this football game. I could see this being a game where Travis Etienne's kind of the guy that takes over, and then yeah. we're all reminded like, oh, yeah, that guy's really damn good. But I don't believe in moral victories, and I highly doubt anyone at Miami believes in them either with the history with that program. But if they keep this within – 10 maybe even two scores like that would be a really really positive performance in my mind for Miami like if we look up and it's like oh 42 32 or something 45 35 and it was kind of a back and forth where maybe Clemson adds a score later something like that that that's where you can't there is such thing as building on a loss I know that sounds weird, but it happens in sports. Yeah, I mean, if you're a team like Miami who's been bad recently and you go up against someone that's been really good for going on, what, five, six years now, and you play them tight in a ball game that you just can't make the plays down the stretch, you walk off the field upset, disappointed. When typically you walk off the field when you lose to Clemson and say, well, yeah, we knew that was coming. But you walk off the field disappointed, uh, in pain, because you knew you had a chance. But after you think about it for a little bit, you realize that you belong on the field with anyone. Yeah. And that can change the way a football team plays. So I do agree with that. Also say this. A lot of people around here hate Miami, and I get that. But college football is better when Miami's good. And college football this year – could use a little uh, shot in the in the butt and a Miami team. Because like, a lot of people have heard of Derek King, but 
the casual football fan that just watches their team every weekend, most people probably don't know who De'Aaron King is. If he goes in and beats Clemson in their place, everyone in the country is going to know who De'Aaron King is. And college football could kind of use a new star from a different team. Yeah. It's kind of been the same teams recently. So that would be big. We just got super excited about that game. Clemson's going to win by like five <laughs> touchdowns. So we're going to be like, damn it. Well, <laughs> most likely, man. Fine. Most likely, but you never know. Yeah. You never right. know. I'm excited to watch that one. And I will be, uh, I will be drinking heavily at that <laughs> point. All right, Ted, let's move on to our segments. Let's start with our winners and losers of the week. And Teddy's winners and losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right, Ted, who do you have as your winner of the week? Sooner fans. I I will even throw Texas fans into the mix, Gabe. Um, You've been to the state fair down there during the game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I have. You're familiar with one of the biggest scams in our country's history, the coupon scam. The coupons. The coupon scam. You stand in line for an hour to get up to get your corn dog, and then you realize, oh, hey, we only take coupons. Oh, God, I'm an idiot. So then you go stand in line at the coupon stand for an hour to get the coupons. Then you get back into the original line. It's the dumbest thing ever. This is America. We pay for things with currency dollar bills okay and this year no coupons it's done it's out you could pay with your visa i think maybe even cash unbelievable the coupon scam is over you know you know you can pre-order those and they send them to your house right that's way too much effort man no one (laughs) thinks of that gabe you're the only person that makes a uh an outline that you email to yourself and put in your calendar and on there is a reminder of all the things you need to do for the state fair. And one of them is order your coupon coupons early. We have so many of those coupons. It's unbelievable. (laughs) And the best part of this entire thing is the way that you say coupons. I said it like three different ways throughout (laughs) coupons. No, I like it. Don't, don't I say coupon. I don't know if that's right, but I kind of like the way you say it. Maybe I'll change. I think it is cool. Who cares? You, hey, you do what you want, pal. You That's got the it. Fort Gibson slang coming through. The, the confusing part for me is like always figuring out. It's like, okay, that's 12 coupons, and that's like a row, and then you have to grab like two off it, and you're like, but now I only have – and it gets all messed up, and that really bothers me. Yeah, and you're kind of like, well, hang on a second. How much did I just pay for that thing? That should have been like $3, and I just forked over like $14 worth of coupons. What is the inflation rate on coupons? But the thing about them is, right, you can, and I forget what the year limit is, but that's kind of one of the things where 
we have them just in a bucket somewhere or a drawer. Cash them back in. It, well, it's all like it's all from different years, so it's you're just like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll use these. But nice. Yeah, it's I'm just over. I'm just I'm just glad that there's gonna be Fletcher's corny dogs. That's awesome. What three Agreed. stands they said? I mean, probably just enough to where the line is inconvenient. <laughs> you know. Just, just enough to where you're kind of miserable trying to get one. Just, just so the enough tradition to where continues. you really question yourself. The last thing you'd want is to have easy access. So that's All good. right, Ted, who, who do you have as your loser of the week? J.J. Watt. Okay. okay. Um, this is a little random, a little weird, but I don't know if you saw this, but apparently news came out that in the week, I believe before the Steelers game, Apparently at practice, J.J. Watt and Bill O'Brien apparently had some big blow-up, verbal confrontation at practice, and I guess it even included the defensive coordinator. And I am just from the school of the, the coach is the authority figure, and what he says goes. And coaches aren't always right, but – I don't ever – I would never um, call into question the coach's authority in front of the rest of the football team and try and undercut him. And I don't know what happened there. My guess is uh, Bill O'Brien was telling J.J. Watt to stop coming under blocks. You can't get there anymore like you used to be able to. But I don't know. I just thought that whole thing, in my opinion, obviously I don't know what went on there, but that just is – to me it's not a good look. Yeah, it it doesn't seem like it's on brand either, which, I mean, you heard some of the things J.J. Watt said after that, you know, their 0-4 start where he was just like, it sucks. I don't know what else to say. It's miserable. It sucks. Like, the crazy part about it is, you know, Bill O'Brien, he is what he is. It it doesn't sound like just from some of the feedback after he's been – he got fired, it, it sounds like, other players around the league that have played for him are like, oh, thank God, good for those guys. Yeah. But but the crazy part about what you're saying is not only is he the head coach, he's the GM. <laughs> right. right. So J.J. Watt was like, not only his boss, he's yelling at his boss, but he's yelling at his boss's boss. Now it's the same guy. But it's just, you don't, you don't usually see that. You really uh, don't. Now it, it happens, you know, tempers – you know, the people run hot when you're, lo- especially when you're losing, of yeah, course. But no doubt. Yeah. I, maybe JJ Watt knew he was about to get fired. So he was like, I'm over this. I'm, I'm about to lay out of here. <laughs> I'm going to lay into this guy. Stupid butt chin. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what all went on there. And I don't know the defensive coordinator's role in it. Like my theory on it, because I watched JJ Watt come under blocks and get his uh, team, you know, killed in the running game over and over and over no about, he stays in his gap he's really good at staying in his gap. yeah about every uh 20th time he does it he makes a big play and has a nice celebration and everything but uh my guess is the coordinator said you know stop coming under blocks jj Watt didn't like being called out on it bill o'brien stepped in as a big blow up and uh oh, so de facto bill o'brien's gone so y- your theory is that Bill O'Brien was defending the I defensive mean, coordinator. He's like, hey, 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 this is, this is my guy, J.J. You need to chill out. I, I like that theory. 
I, I mean, I don't know. That would be my guess. I would find it even stranger if the defensive coordinator was yelling at his boss and his boss's boss. But, you know, I don't know. Hey, <laughs> shit's getting weird there in Houston. <laughs> so I can't wait to see how that team plays the rest of the year. It's going to be really interesting because everyone's like, oh, Deshaun Watson is free now. Like, he's, he, can, he can do his thing now. It's like, well, Deshaun also hasn't been playing that well in the – and for I don't know how many years in a row now, they can't protect him. So no. I, I don't know how much is really going to change. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, yeah. it can't get any worse. They're over. It's probably not going to change at least this year and maybe in the coming year. Yeah. Because they're getting old on D, man. That's a good point. It used to be great defensively. They're getting old. You get old quick in the NFL, man. But don't worry. Romeo Cornell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Interim, <laughs> baby. Love it. All right, my winners and losers are brought to you by Sound Advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite football team from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audiovisual at my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires in the cable boxes so it looks great, and I can control every TV in my house from my phone and the internet has been flawless for the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma city area. Call sound advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. Okay. So I, I thought about going with LeBron because he is on, he, he is about to win another championship. And also there was this thing that came out that he sent some text before game five that really inspired the team. And then I was like, oh, wait, that probably didn't happen or it certainly didn't happen the way that LeBron's cronies are making people report it. it. Yeah, so I, I was like, that's dumb. So I'm going to go with Russell Westbrook. Now, listen, I understand he is very rich. I, I get that, but – the man left an $8,000 tip for the housekeepers there in the NBA bubble. Now, they were there for two months, so it, they probably deserved a tip. But the thing about it is he didn't have to do it. Mm -hmm. Like there, there was no expectation. We haven't heard about any other players that were there leaving tips or anything like that. And I don't know why this information came out. I, I don't really care, but – I saw some people being like, eight grand, that's it. He makes, you know, 40-something million dollars. It's like, guys, he didn't have to do it. I, I'm sure the Rockets are taking care of those people and that probably the NBA as well, you know, are making sure that the housekeeping staff at the hotels are, are making good tips. Like, the bottom line is the guy left eight grand but didn't have to leave a dollar. That's pretty damn cool. I think it's great, and – you would hope that more of the guys did that now. I don't know that they had to leave eight grand, but you did, would think. Was it cash? Did he just – who has eight grand in cash on them? Like, NBA like I players. Could, okay, good point. Yeah, good. I mean, yeah, NBA players. Guys that spend a lot of time gambling and at strip clubs. Those are the guys that have a lot of cash. And I know that they haven't been – um, at strip clubs, at least most of them, some of them have, uh, as we remember. 
But I guarantee those guys were gambling, playing cards, throwing dice, pitching quarters nonstop I, in the bubble. I just realized that Russell Westbrook left $8,000 for the housekeepers. And it's quite possible not a single one of those dollars is his actual money. Right. Like, he's just like, oh, yeah, I made all this off Pat Bev here in the bubble. I'll give it to the housekeeper. Man, I've seen some of the craziest gambling ever in a locker room. Oh, it's insane. It made me, as an undrafted guy that didn't have any money, it made me very uncomfortable. But I loved sitting there and watching. I was like, oh, this is awesome. I watched Dre Bly lose $25,000 to Sean Rogers playing uh, paper, rock, scissors in the cold tub one day. <laughs> that brings me so much anxiety. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's crazy. And whether it's kind of, it was always the cards everywhere I was. Those dudes just sitting at the table and you'd look and be like, you'd just try to count. Like you try to be subtle about it, but try to count all the money on the table. You'd be like, oh no, that's a lot of money. Here we go. I got suckered into some crazy game where like you try and there's three people that play this card game and you look at the other people's cards and you try and guess whether your card is in between or outside of the other two cards. Have it's you like played the that? Ring, like Ring of Fire? Is that like in between outside, smoker it's fire, like that and higher, lower? Like, I, that, that's probably the wrong game. I don't know. I don't remember my drinking games. And you have to – I don't remember, but you keep on like doubling the pot until someone is wrong or, or – I don't, I don't know. I don't remember, but I remember like being like, oh, my God, what if I lose this? I'm going to be broke. It was crazy, man. I <laughs> – it was nuts, man. Oh. Throwing cash around, which, yeah, that's probably true. He either won the money and forgot it in the room, and the housekeeper was like, oh, yay. It was like he left it in the table right there between the beds. Like, that was his gambling money. It's, it's like, like, oh, yeah, crap. I made that off Jeff Green like six weeks ago. <laughs> You're such a great guy, Westbrook. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you guys are welcome. I appreciate everything you did. <laughs> but, hey, good. Some positive PR. For our man Westbrook. Good to see. Hey, always tip the housekeepers at the hotel. That's right. I mean, come on. Do the right thing. Now, my loser of the week, I thought about going with Dwayne Haskins because holy shit, that went downhill fast wow. for our man in Washington. I mean, starting to third string. That was a uh, that was quick, but loser of the week has to be the Tennessee Titans. I mean, just has to be so as we know, the game they were supposed to play against the Steelers last week was rescheduled because they had some players test positive. So they closed their facility, naturally. Like, that is the natural reaction to that situation. Like, oh, no, we want to prevent an outbreak. We're going to have guys come in individually. We'll test them. We'll gather all the information, all those things. So the facility closes. And what do some of the Tennessee Titans do the day after the facility closes? They go to a local high school and work out together as a group. When their head coach, Mike Vrabel, said, hey, guys, don't work out in groups. I mean, this is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Do these guys not like money? 
That, 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 that's my question because you go the day after your organization shut down your facility and you were like, you know what we should do? We should go to this high school and work out together. That seems like a good idea. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. It is unbelievably stupid and kind of funny. I'm not going to lie. It's kind of funny. <laughs> but they're supposed to play the Bills this weekend. And with the Bills, they're, they're supposed to play Thursday night football next week. So there's no pushing this game back a couple of days. Like, And it seems like this game's in jeopardy a little bit. It's, we'll learn more here in the next couple of days. But they're talking about the Tennessee Titans having to forfeit. And now they're investigating them for the violation of, you know, the protocol. So I'm just like, guys, what are we doing? It's dumb. If the game's forfeit, uh, if they forfeit the game, I'm guessing they forfeit a game check. That's what I I was saying. That's what I said. I don't think they like money because I, it's, it's not like you would get. So if you, if they find out now, maybe they'll just, take guys game checks who they found out violated the protocols i don't know i don't know what kind of investigative work they can do well, on that none of the guys ever test positive that's a lot better right right but like if that whole group spread it between themselves they have to cancel the game because of that well then yeah they're gonna find their ass off but oh my god you know i will say this <laughs> <laughs> the layman theory here it comes <laughs> i mean all i'm saying is Here's some guys that got a free week off that could have gone and laid around and done nothing. And, hey, at least they're committed to trying to win this season. You know what I'm saying? Dedication. <laughs> dedication. They, they oh, let their man. dedication to the grind <laughs> get in the way of them just making a logical on, Coach, decision. Listen, we're just trying to win this thing. We're trying to win the whole thing this year. Come on. Cut yeah. us a break. <laughs> you know, so, Grable is probably like, so, so what else did you guys get done? Did you get, get any good work in while you were How there? How much did you run? I bet I ran more. <laughs> I bet Vrabel's that. Now, everyone that's played for him loves that dude. So, I don't know. It's just ridiculous. It's hilarious. I can't wait to see what happens with that Bills-Titans game. That was going to be a good game, too. That's why I'm pissed off, too. Like, I wanted yeah. to see that game. Yeah. All right, Teddy, let's wet the beak. Uh, and Wet the Beak is brought to you by Tim Hughes Custom Homes. Are you looking to build your dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you're looking for. Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all of your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing. And, of course, he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and built our new house. Tim and his team are so easy to work with. He is still helping us when we have questions about things around the house. He's also built several office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit TimHughesCustomHomes.com. Thursday night football this week getting a matchup between two three and one football teams now i'm not really sure how good either of them are but there is a big emphasis and a lot of focus 
on this quarterback matchup because Tom Brady coming off that five-touchdown performance against the Chargers. Now, Nick Foles didn't have exactly a stellar performance against the Colts in his first start as a Bear, but people are clearly making this a big deal because it's the first matchup between these two guys since that Super Bowl. So I'm sure they won't mention that on the broadcast at all. I'm sure we won't see the Philly special play. I'm sure we won't see Tom Brady drop that pass. You think the league like mandates that they have to run that play against them like, just so everyone can talk about it? Just call it something different. Call it the Chicago special. I, is this the first time in history that a quarterback is 3-0 and and gets benched? Has that ever happened before at any level? I would assume it's happened, but usually I, I would think a, some sort of crime was committed. <laughs> You know, like, like it was like, oh, we can't play him. He's in prison type situation. But, just amazing. Uh, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with it, but it's just that's very rare. I mean, fascinating. But, you know, the Bears, that Chargers D, is, or excuse me, Colts D is legit. Oh, yeah. So um, it's not really um, – don't take, don't make your whole opinion on what Nick Foles and that offense are going to do based off of what you saw against the Colts because that defense is probably, I don't know statistically if it's the best in the NFL, but it's got to be close. They're great right now. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited for this one. Honestly, I don't know if it's been uh, 2020 in the, in the thought that we may not have football all along. I haven't found a football game anywhere that I wasn't interested in at any level. It's been great. I, I kind of feel the same way. I'm watching I, SEC replays every night, and why I'm, not? I'm enjoying it. Well, yeah. I mean, why not now? With this game, I don't really care about the quarterback battle. I, I think it's going to come down to who can run the football, and that's why I'm worried for Chicago because – this front seven from Tampa Bay yeah. is pretty legit. Uh, you saw the Bears, right? Last week, I think they had like 28 yards rushing. They've got guys injured. I, I just can't imagine the Bears run it well against that Tampa Bay defensive front. And it seems like Ronald Jones, I think they, I think I heard Bruce Arians call him Rojo, which is a pretty sweet nickname. Rojo. Nice. Yeah. He, uh, he, that running game for Tampa, it seems to be coming along pretty well, and the Bears haven't exactly been stellar against the run. So I, I feel like Tampa's going to win this one. I, I think it's a good line. Tampa's favored by three and a half, so it makes you think a little bit, but I can see this being a two-score game, even in Chicago. I, I just don't know what the Bears have offensively right now. It seems like they have all kinds of struggles, and – Nick Foles is only good in the playoffs or coming off the bench, apparently. So, yeah, they should have just kept starting uh, Trubisky and having Foles come in two series in yeah. or after they're down, I guess. All right, I mean, Mitch, you're out. Foles, <laughs> Go do your get thing. your big hog out there. Get out there, buddy. <laughs> uh, I, do you think I'll ever bring up Nick Foles without talking about that? Probably no, not. It's, it's impossible. Probably, it's probably one of the best recurring themes we have on the show right now. Um, I don't know how much Godwin being out for Tampa Bay is going to be. I mean, I know they've had to play with him already or play without him already this year. 
But it looks like they're starting to feed the ball to Mike Evans a little bit more. Also, um, well, O.J. Howard done, huh? Oh, so Achilles. Was, ah. I mean, but – He was becoming point, a really he was becoming he was. a really big part of that passing attack. He had a great touchdown on Sunday. So, I mean, at some point, losing players offensively has to factor in. I mean, it's huge that they're able to go to Gronk and maybe he's going to start getting more involved now with Howard being out. But they're losing some weapons offensively. But – I, I got to go with Tampa Bay here. In, until I see more from the Bears offensively, I think they're they're a team that's going to be winning these weird games that are low scoring, turnovers, special teams plays. I feel like that's the way they're going to eke out wins. Do you think how, how many deep out routes across the entire football field do you think Bruce Arians is going to want Tom Brady to throw in this one? I mean, it seems – I mean, how many times – at what point do you just say, hey, we're taking that out. Like, it's, it's gone. It's gone. If we're on the right hash, we are not running any deep out routes on the left side of the field. Like, he just doesn't, he just doesn't have that one in his nope. – uh, I, mean, I mean, in the arsenal anymore. You're 40-plus you're years old. Um, I mean, he was – I think his rookie year in the NFL was my freshman year at Oklahoma. And I've been retired from the NFL for like 12 years. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, uh, it's going to go at some point. They need to get back to the hard play action, the dump routes to Gronkowski. That's what made Brady his money. Yeah. So, I don't know. I like, I like Tampa. Um, you know, that, it feels like that offense is starting to click. Yeah, I'll – I'll I'll lay the three and a half. Give me the bucks. There's there's no way I feel comfortable with betting, and I'm not even going to bet on this game. Uh, but there's no way I would bet on the Bears. No chance. All right, Ted. Let's finish up with keeping it local, where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. Keeping it local is brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools reopening are reopening in the fall, parents want to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children. There's no better place for that than Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis' students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-one student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition to athletic programs and clubs, Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available. For more information, Visit bmchs.org. Now, an interesting story. The what what can only be described as the college student nightmare appears to be complete. Now, after the announcement that came this week, University of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State University announced that they will go all virtual classes after Thanksgiving. They also said that they will cancel spring break next year already. So if you're keeping score, that means no tacky Christmas sweater parties. That means no horrible trips to Destin or Gulf Shores or wherever that you immediately regret about two days into the trip. This has to be the worst year ever for college students. Now, if you take I, – I don't know what it was like the years of like world wars and like Vietnam and that stuff that, so let's take those out. But this has to be absolutely miserable 
for student college students here in the state of Oklahoma that I, I feel bad for them. Like, but the whole pandemic thing, you're like, uh, what, what can you do? But this just sucks for those kids. I, you know, I'm just speaking for myself here. There is no way in hell I would have gone to college this year. There's no way online, online classes. I can't go to football games and party before party afterwards. Um, oh, gross. no spring break, um, no like on campus parties. Like what's the point in, in college? <laughs> but, but the thing is like, if you take like a gap year or something, yeah. you're, you, you go travel in like Europe or something cool. You can't even do that. They won't even let us in. You sleep, sleep, take make a up year, on, make up on sleep. That's a good point. Take a year to sleep. That's it. Gap year. I spent 2020 asleep. That's it. I'm sure that no college kids will <laughs> skip the week. What should be yeah. their spring break? That, that's not going to happen. There's no yeah. way they would never know, do that. I don't know how you can actually uh, legislate that. I think everyone's going to be like, Oh wow. Weird. No one's at school this week. Interesting. There's a lot of people in Florida though. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. All right. Well, that's it. Episode 49 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me on from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM, Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great weekend. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening and do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.